0: This is the Jet Centric Podcast, your home for Winnipeg Jets. Talk, thoughts, and takes. Hey there Jets fans, welcome back to episode 20 of the Jets-centric podcast. Um, we do game recaps which are not numbered the same, the episodes are usually the interviews, so this is episode 20 and this is an episode with myself, AJ, doing an interview with Sean Reynolds of Hockey Night in Canada, Sportsnet, CBC, all that stuff. We had a really fun chat before uh, we started recording as well as the whole recording was a lot of fun to do with him, seems like a really nice guy and I appreciate it of taking the time. So the interview is about an hour long, so we'll just let this episode stand on its own. Some of the shorter interviews coming up will uh, maybe combine into single episodes. But So this whole episode is just me and Sean Reynolds chatting. And uh, But coming up this week, though, we got Mitch Peacock. Uh, we got, uh, talking about the moose, we got Hustler from TSN 1290. Uh, we'll have a short little burst of Jay Onright from TSN. He's going to come on. Uh, still working on having... Um, the Jets prospect guy to come on chatting with uh, Bartley Kivas to, to come on as well. Patrick Williams. We're still working on timing. Randy Turner, Leah Hextall. Um, also, uh, Sean Mckindo, I think is how you say his name. Uh, who on Twitter, you know him as down goes Brown. He's from the athletic NHL. Uh, also chatting with Murat about doing something again, middle of November. So, and yeah, we got a lot of good stuff to look forward to. So uh, make sure you tell your friends, um, you check it out, and uh, yeah, just make sure you, you listen to everything that we do, because we're all volunteers, <laughs> so hopefully you appreciate it, anyhow, also check out our sponsor, the Blackbird Brasserie on taché. Uh our friend Richard over there is the one that actually designed our logo for us, so he did a great job with it, so uh, go check it out, I'm definitely going to take the wife there on a date night some night, and uh, anyhow, let's get to the episode of me and Sean Reynolds chatting, and hopefully you enjoy it, thanks.
1: Hey Jets fans, welcome back to another episode of the Jet Centric Podcast. I am AJ and I'm here today with uh, Sean Reynolds of uh, HockeyNet in Canada, Sportsnet, CBC, a whole bunch of other places. Sean, thanks so much for joining us and taking the time to uh, to do this with, with us and with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, not a problem. So uh, the first thing I want to start off with before we start recording here, I said I'd like to hear a little bit of your origin story. I always think that's fun for people to know the people sort of behind the mic or behind, you know, whatever it is that they're doing where you you get to know the person a bit. I I did a little bit of research. Um, I believe that I got it right that you are a Manitoba boy. (laughs) And uh, so I'm curious. uh, I'm sure a lot of people that would be listening to this can probably relate to maybe what it's like growing up in Manitoba, uh, probably having the Jets here uh, originally you know uh, seeing them leave and uh, you know maybe your how that ties into your hockey experience I mean I know you weren't always into sports journalism but at the same time likely I'm going to guess a hockey fan maybe if we look deep into the the annals of the the internet will we find a, a Selkirk Steelers jersey with your name on it did you play some junior hockey or uh, what's your experience kind of coming out of Manitoba with the, the whole hockey thing uh, just getting to where you are now
2: uh well
1: i mean i'm from Lactabani. so you know most people who uh every time
2: i tell someone i'm from Lac someone says they've got family or someone like that who's got a, a cabin out yeah. in lee river or something like that so you know come from you know we like to call it god's country out there because it's just absolutely gorgeous in the summertime and if you like uh you know ice fishing and snowmobiling it's the place you want to be in the wintertime so uh you know came out of there and and uh um, it was interesting. I I took an aptitude test when I was coming out of school that uh and it said that I should be a journalist and I always thought that that was would have been a really interesting career, but I kinda of put it out of my mind just because, you know, sometimes when you come from a small town like Lacabani, the idea of going and doing, you know, something that at in my mind at that time was, you know, a big kind of out there job, I just I didn't think it would be something that was achievable. So I had uh, graduated from school and went to the University of Manitoba and was on my way to becoming a, a phys ed teacher. Um, my, both my parents were phys ed teachers. My sister is a teacher now, and it just kind of seemed like the thing that we did in our family. And um, I was at the point where I'd graduated with a, a physical education degree from the University of Manitoba and was taking my teaching. I was uh, student teaching in Saint Norbert. Um, but it just, I could tell at that time, it wasn't really what I wanted to do. Um, so I had, uh, been putting myself through school, uh, doing construction kind of all over the place up in the Northwest Territories in Alberta. And, and, uh, at the point that I was, uh, um, kind of not sure that I wanted to continue teaching. I was doing a, uh, I was doing a job building a bridge near Golden, BC, uh, and one of the days there, um during a i i had a bit of an accident at work where i fell off the bridge um it was like a hundred feet up in the air or something like that and i got caught by my fall arrest so there's this moment where you know you, you fall um and you're going head first and and you're you're you know in your head you you don't know that you've got your fall <laughs> arrest on you just you're thinking this is it right and right. i kind of got caught and hung there for a bit and and uh came up and, and uh, you know, it just was one of those moments that I look back on in life now where it really was, you know, I spent the next couple of weeks kind of just, you know, like taking stock of your life and what you're doing. And and uh, it was at that time that I kind of decided that I was just not that interested in teaching anymore and life's short, you know, when when something like that happens, you realize just how short it can be. And at that point, I just decided, you know, I'd always wanted to be a sports writer um, so that's what I was going to do. So I, I quit my job, moved back to Lactabonni, stayed on my parents' and and, and uh, started writing some articles for the local paper at the time that was called the Leader Leadership Build Up a, a Portfolio um, and then uh, uh, applied to Ryerson in Toronto, ended up getting into the school and went there for a couple of years. and. Uh, Graduated from there, got my first job at Sportsnet uh, as uh, uh, working in the content factory. Uh, you know, cutting highlights. You'd get, you know, they'd give you a game, a NASCAR race, a basketball game, whatever, and you'd like cut the highlights and write up a little script, and that's how you know all your highlights are put together for the, the night. But uh, I, I had wanted to go on camera, and uh, back in those days, it's changed now. You know, guys like Kyle bokoski's colleagues of mine, you know, have started in the industry very young and are succeeding very young. Back in those days, they would tell you, you needed to spend 10 years, you know, out in the smaller markets working at the craft before you'd ever make it to the national level. So I moved back here to Winnipeg, got a job uh, at uh, Global, um, worked there for a couple of years, left there, went to CBC Radio locally here, um, moved into CBC TV and then started hosting there. And by the time that stuff was all kind of said and done, uh, I guess, geez, four, five, six, seven years had passed. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then that was when the, uh, when Sportsnet got the NHL package. Um, and I still had my contacts. They'd flown me back into Sportsnet a couple times and had looked at me for some jobs before that. Um, so it kind of seemed like, you know, I remember at the time when, when I got the job here, I think it surprised a lot of people because my time in journalism, I'd never been in sports. Um, so I think people in the sports market were probably a little bit surprised when I got the job because, um, had, had they not known the behind the scenes and, and, uh, you know, the work I'd already done with Sportsnet and the people who I had, uh, you know, had contact with and, um, and some of the opportunities that I'd come pretty close to taking with them, um, they would have realized it, but it did seem like a bit of a surprise at the time, but got that job here in Winnipeg and, uh, and uh the rest has been history it's been a really really good opportunity uh sportsnet's been a phenomenal employer and uh it's been just an absolute blast the four four and a half years now i've been working with them here in this market
1: well that that's that's really cool i i, I like that but like when you were young you said that you were interested in the sports journalism um and then it kind of like took took a while to finally get there to actually be like you said in front front of the camera and whatnot so i'm curious your experience with with sports now too um how like have you always been like a sports junkie or you've always been like a hockey guy uh because i'm guessing that's probably mostly what you've uh your experience in with sportsnet has, has been uh with so i'm just curious with the, the the sports side of it what where's your your angle there were you like a some crazy athlete back in your day or not to say you can't still be i don't know maybe maybe <laughs> there are crazy athlete, but i just uh curious what what uh where your background in sports is? Well, no, there's not too many crazy athletes my age. I, I, it's
2: funny. I was watching the TV earlier on tonight. and I see that there's there's two NHLers who uh, um, uh, who are still older than me in the league, and that's it. But one of them is the Dino Char. It's actually interesting. Uh, I, I had uh, I guess it would have been 1995. I had been in the Prince George Cougars WHL camp uh and there was you know some pretty big name players there at the time sheldon survey was there and and um it was the first time that uh i believe it was the first time that zadino char had come over into uh into i don't think he took uh part in the camp that year but he came into the dressing room and i remember being in the dressing room at the time and yeah, I remember this was back in the kind of the Eric Lindros era of hockey where they were just trying to get the biggest guys that they possibly could. <laughs> and you realized back in those days that sometimes, you know, because you played against a guy who was, you know, an absolute monster, you know, uh, but just not a very good hockey player. So sometimes it seemed like a bit of a gimmick. And so all of a sudden he comes walking in the dressing room uh at all what six foot eight six foot nine of them and it was just astounding right you know you're sitting there you're a kid you're 17 or 16 years old or whatever and you weigh about a hundred and you know 65 pounds and it just you just start to think to yourself like wow there's there's some there's some big men out there so i've i've always been impressed that Zadino Chara has has carved out the career he has and been as good as he has because He looked to be one of those guys from that era that was going to get an opportunity just because he was big. Little did we know he was absolutely unbelievably skilled, you know, had a work ethic like you just could not believe it it became pretty evident at that time uh, when he was there that he was going to be a real good player. I remember, I believe he was, um, geez, I believe he was drafted by the New York Islanders. And uh, I remember back in the day, uh, watching hockey with some of my buddies on the couch, and us hearing that he'd been traded to Ottawa, and me telling my buddies, "Wow, Ottawa got a really, really good deal getting this guy over." And uh, you know, it's nice every once in a while when you when you make those proclamations, and they turn out so that your buddies actually think you know what you're talking about
1: okay so now after saying saying that um can you tell me my lottery numbers for this uh this weekend i, I need some i need some good <laughs> ones <laughs> so uh, you know what actually just the, the char thing I, I one of the questions i was going to ask you now that you've been doing this for uh, a couple years and meeting people and i'm sure you met people when you're behind the scenes with sportsnet before too do you still like do you get overwhelmed by uh seeing some of these players like i know obviously why you're overwhelmed by char but i mean you've got to interviews you know some big names you see these players you see these these hall of famer you know people walk through buildings and you know you're you have more access to them than than most of us normal fans would are you still sort of like in awe of people or do you feel like you're pretty cool now where you can just be like i i, I can talk to this person where. You know, not peers because you're in the Hall of Fame as well, but just, you know, where where you can do that. Because I feel like most people would probably uh, ball up and uh, cry if they saw, you know, Mario Lemieux <laughs> walk through the door or something. But uh, are you able to do that? Are you still overwhelmed a bit or is that you're over that now? You, that's part of the professionalism of it.
2: You know, having spent, uh, I spent a lot of years in, in news before I came uh, to do sports journalism. So, I mean, there were times where, you know, you're you're talking with premiers and you're talking with the mayor and you're having these interactions. So you're with these people in elevated positions. And, and if you're going to be a journalist that people take seriously, you, you have to conduct yourself seriously. Um, so when i started in sports i had come from a background and a foundation that you know you you you're really you know treating everyone equally no matter who you're talking to and and uh uh you know you definitely can't be a fan right so um i mean there there's a part of you that you know when you first started doing the job that you know the first time i talked to sidney crosby you're you're sitting there thinking okay i'm interviewing you know the the best hockey player in the world right now and and, uh, but, but the, the fact of the matter is, I think when you've got that base of, uh, of professionalism, um, it, 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 your, your fandom gets stripped away from you. I mean, when I was growing up, I was a massive hockey fan, you know, and, you know, there are certain players that I really like, certain teams that I really like, and that just doesn't exist anymore. Um, some people it does, uh, you know, I see, you know, some, some, sports journalists are open about, you know, teams that they really like and they root for it. That's not the way I approach it. It's uh, uh, it's just not something that I'm interested in doing. And I really do find that having done this job, the more I've done it, the more it's just kind of stripped away whatever fandom was left in me. I will say, though, and you mentioned Mary Lemieux, um, a couple of years ago, I was covering uh, the uh, the playoff series between uh, Pittsburgh and, and Washington two years ago when Pittsburgh went on to win the cup and did see Mario Lemieux down in the bowels of the building and and I'd be lying if I didn't say that I got kind of nervous you know and, and I think what that is is you know that's going back to your childhood right so mm-hmm. for me the the big players when I was a kid you know the Wayne Gretzky's the Mario Lemieux, the Steve Eisermans, guys like that um you know you were fans of those guys you were in awe of those guys right so I've never had to cover those guys so you're not in a situation where um, you, you know where where you're put, your fandom is put to the test right but that said I mean I've interviewed or I've been part of interviews or, or media scrums before with Steve Eisenman um, you know in the, when they made the finals a couple of years ago Tampa Bay right so you you got to be professional but you know, I'd be lying if I didn't say heart rate goes up a little bit because mm-hmm. these are guys who were heroes when you were a kid, right? Yeah. The, the nowadays players, it's really neat to talk to guys who are really good players, um, but the, the fandom stuff's
1: been put away for me a long time ago. So so for you, does it, because um, I, I guess when people are interested, say in sports journalism, they think of maybe some of the people that they would meet and, and that might be a bit of a draw, do you find that it's maybe taken some of the joy out of it because now it is i don't want to say it's just a job and 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 argue that maybe you don't like your job but i mean if you enjoy it because you enjoy your job not because of maybe the closeness and access that you get which might have been an initial draw so has it sort of like taken that joy away and but filled it up with a another joy would that be kind of fair to say
2: I, th- I think that's a really good way of putting it because th- there was a time where I, I did, you know, when I started doing this job that I, to a degree, you know, you, you mourn the loss of that fandom and the ability to, to go in that direction because you know a lot of times what happens when you're, when you're, you know, when you get together with a bunch of fans and you know something happens on the ice and and it's like a fifty-fifty play, you know, but or you know, hey, like someone calls a, a penalty against your favorite team right and if you're in a room full of fans of that team they're all you know saying that the ref sucks and this and that and you're sitting there kind of trying to look at it more you know evenly and and and, you know a little more analytically and you're thinking that's a good call i don't know what these people are complaining about right so (laughs) there's a part of it that there's a part of it that kind of leaves you feeling you know or or i would say there was a time where i kind of mourned that loss of the fandom but the access that you get right the ability to to just kind of fill your boots with just just being at the games and you know watching the x's and o's and seeing certain patterns develop that you get to work on and then being able to have the access to go and talk to the players about those things that you're seeing and and, and get their expertise on it and talk to the coaches and so on and so forth i mean it's exactly what what you were saying you know you're losing one thing but you're gaining something else that is really really interesting and I, I hey i love my job it's 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 a great job to have um i wouldn't trade it for anything in the world and so having the opportunity to to you know have the conversations that i have and witness the things that i witness it's to me you know, I wouldn't trade that for going back and being able to sit back, you know, and throw the jersey on and wave the pom-poms.
1: Right. So in in a way, and I, again, this is why I find for me the the whole media kind of approach to, to sport uh, such an interesting topic. Um, do you find that it actually, like having access, seeing it all, knowing behind the scenes, hearing the interviews, hearing the, the stuff that doesn't get to print or to, you know, uh, to TV, uh, actually in a way even refines your fandom to have even a better understanding of stuff. Because I mean, again, as fans, like just a typical fan, like myself, uh, we don't have that. And so we miss out on maybe some of the nuances and stuff. And th- this isn't to put like everybody in media in some sort of like uh, uh, level above everyone else. Like they're all smarter cause they've seen it all and know it all. But at a, at the same time, I think if you have that opportunity, to have access and whatnot it it can probably refine your fandom to probably be like you said even when people are saying ref you suck you can be fair about it and be like no they didn't suck you're just cheering for the team so if we're going to cheer for a good game and good calls by a ref and a a fair outcome uh that would i'm not going to yell ref you suck just because it's against my team so is, is it fair to say that it sort of refines your fandom to in a way even be a better fan you know for yourself Again, not comparing to typical fans trying to, you know, put them down like myself.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think the one thing that you get with the job a little bit more is what I find, you know, when, when you're a fan of a team, everything's immediate, right? Like everything is about, you know, what happens in this shift and what happens in this period and what happens in this game. You want your team to win. You want them to win right now. Of course, there are some cases there, you know, like, we all heard about the tank army kind of stuff and and there are teams that you know uh, i've been a, a fan at one point in my life where you know and i can think of you know in different sports like football and basketball where i've been thinking you know with my team i wish they would just tear it down already there it's not going anywhere right so right. so th- there's that but I, I do think to a degree um you know fans it's very immediate they want immediate gratification right and and, you know when when you get more fans together you just want it that much more because everyone's together and everyone wants to cheer and everyone wants to be happy and you know look how amazing what happened last year with the Jets was and during their playoff run and everybody hitting the streets like that in itself is the experience that every fan is yearning for right so I think because of you know a fan's need for immediate gratification Sometimes I think what it'll put them at odds with in the media is I think sometimes when when you're dealing with a team and players and uh, management and, and you're seeing kind of ideas of what's happening you know so for example years ago uh, when the Jets weren't making the playoffs but they'd be plugging certain guys in you know and giving them opportunity but not giving other guys opportunity you may think that uh, in, in a situation you can see that they're doing what they're doing they're leaving a guy in the minors uh, because. Uh, because they want to develop him properly, and then maybe now is not the right time to bring that player up to a team, so that they, you know, can can go along with the team's struggles. Maybe it's best to leave them where they are and put another guy in who's probably not as good. Um, but it doesn't matter if he's not as good in the minds of the team or or the people who are in the plan together, because he, he doesn't need to be good because the team's not winning this year anyway right so i think there's a lot of times that you get into these situations where you know fans will call out media for not calling out the team on certain things where where one it's not necessarily my job as a journalist to to be calling anybody out my job as a journalist is to report the facts as i see them um and allow the viewer to make up their own mind right so i do find it's funny that where you'll get, you know, someone will pop up on Twitter and say, why aren't you grilling them on this? Or why aren't you, you know, giving them heck for this? And it's like, well, I'm not because I wouldn't be a very good journalist if I was, because my job is to go and gather what I can, place it
1: out in front of you, and then you can make your decision on that. Right. Yeah, that's part of the, the being objective part, right? Where it's not supposed to be your opinion on things. And But I guess I, I guess as a fan, I could probably speak to some people that maybe haven't formulated the exact thoughts on this it's like but you know more than we do so just tell us like the the, the right answer because i i have a sense that this is the right answer and i want you to confirm you know my my thinking right so i i've tried to be uh, over time more and more fair towards you know the team and the people making decisions and media obviously i have my bents and my ideas of what's good idea and bad ideas and uh rarely do they all you know coincide with what's actually happening but um yeah i think i think that's probably why there's that that pressure because it's if people feel like the team is doing the opposite the media should be the ones to you know fix it right cuz they they know yeah. too right you see it <laughs> so there there there's maybe that expectation but i got to kind of rewind a little bit to when you talked about the, in the scrum with uh with Iserman, you talked about meeting Lemieux. I actually I, I wanted to ask you about some of your career highlights. Uh, what are some of the things that was, like, you know, the best thing to cover that, that, that you really enjoyed? Or, uh, maybe even from that fan perspective, if, like, your team, you know, or ex team or whatever it was, was involved, or maybe players you grew up with that you got to see them, you know, score their thousandth point or whatever it is. Um, do you have some career highlights that uh, maybe you could uh, make mention of? Well, for me,
2: the the career highlight for me um, would have been uh, a game in between uh, the the Jets and Penguins a couple of years ago, not sure, two or three years ago. Um, but you'll probably remember this. It was the game um, after uh, Evgeny Malkin had, uh, had given that kind of headshot to Blake Wheeler. And so they were coming back to Winnipeg, and it's when uh, Wheeler and Malkin dropped the gloves in the in the first period of that game uh and i uh, uh, done my first period interview with malkin because uh, i don't know if he i think at the end of the game he had the gordy Howe hat trick but he may have even added that period where he had to fight the assist and the goal um and uh he just gave a really really kind of honest open uh interview and it was just you know while it was happening i was thinking to myself like this is a really good interview and so sure enough uh um, you know, it, it caught some eyes within the industry. And, and that Saturday, Don Cherry had played it on Coach's Corner. And that was always something right. that I thought was really neat, right? You know, that, you know, Don Cherry has given you a show. He wasn't just playing your interview, but but he said, you know, this is a real good interview by our guy, Sean Reynolds, you know. And uh, and so that was really neat. And, and you know, there's parts of, of stuff like that that are very surreal. You know, Don Cherry was uh, – Don and Ron were – Uh, in Winnipeg for the playoffs last year, and they're both really, really great guys. Ron McLean is the kind of guy that, you know, if you ever have an interaction with him, you leave that interaction feeling about 10 feet tall because he just elevates people. He just makes you feel... So good about yourself and brings out the best in people. So he's phenomenal to deal with, and uh, I know that uh, I get. Actually, I think Ron referenced it on air last year, but uh, Don had seen me and we'd met before, and he always refers to me res, refers to me as a as a good old Irish boy. So that's kind of a neat thing because it, it couldn't be any more. I think the very first time I met him, it was at the St- uh, Stanley Cup final between Pittsburgh and San Jose, and it was in a San Jose hotel. Um and uh it was the first time I'd met him and he said, Sean Reynolds, eh? was well, uh, from Winnipeg, well you're a good Canadian boy from a good Canadian city and I thought, could you possibly have a more Don Cherry introduction than that, <laughs> right? A good Canadian boy from a good Canadian city. So I mean that was really neat. It, it it's it's very surreal to to grow up and work alongside with and have conversations with people who you know you watched on the T V growing up. Uh, another big moment for me was the first time uh, I worked a game with Bob Cole. You know, he's going through his retirement tour right now, and uh, I've had the pleasure of working a couple games with him. And, I mean, the first time that Bob Cole says your name on on air, you know, I'm Bob Cole, we're here with Gary Galley and Sean Reynolds, right? The, the the way that, you know, the hearing that guy say your name on air, you know, it just sent tingles up and down my spine. So those are two You know, two moments that I just, I I very much cherish in my career. And I just think right now with, you know, Bob Cole, I don't think he's doing well. I know he's not scheduled to do any games in Winnipeg as of right now unless something changes. And I don't believe it will. But just having had the opportunity to work with him uh, before he wraps up his storied career is just,
1: it's an absolute dream come true. That's really cool. I, I I wrote down here a bunch of like questions and and one thing I don't I have no idea why I wrote this down except that I'm a fan of his. Is I wrote down Norm Macdonald. I don't know why I was going to ask you about Norm Macdonald, but just for some reason when you did your impression of Don Cherry, saying your name is like yeah, good old Canadian boy from a Canadian city. So maybe maybe I was um, I should uh, write my own lottery ticket numbers because I just uh, you know maybe foretold that was going to happen. Um, curious, have you ever? Um, uh, got the chance to, or would you ever like to uh, cover uh, some other kind of outside of NHL uh, hockey events? For instance, the draft, or World Juniors, uh, the Memorial Cup. I thought was one because I know Sportsnet uh, covers that. Uh, Spengler Cup, World Cup, cha- or World Championships, uh, or like um, I know I think TSN does the the college and Sportsnet covers the the CHL stuff. But uh, I'm just curious if you ever had a chance to cover those, or are those things of interest to you i know you mentioned uh you know trying out <laughs> and meeting uh char for the first time there's it, do you follow minor hockey are you interested in those things and interest in covering them or have you already i don't know
2: you know i'm interested in all levels of hockey the one thing that i do find um uh is that i mean when i was a kid i could tell you everything there was to know about the nhl the nba the cfl the nfl and Major League Baseball and what I do find now is is there's just not enough time because you do you have to kind of saturate your brain with knowledge of of the league you know so for example the next game that I'm doing that the next game that I'm hosting for for hometown hockey I'm watching all those teams games I'm reading up on all their clippings and for the next team and the next team so you know I, I cover the Jets mostly but uh beyond that i have picked up some ottawa senators games that i'm doing nationally this year um and and you know the teams that they're playing and being the national uh the national broadcaster means that you're not you know the broadcaster for the winnipeg jets if it's a jets game or you're not the broadcaster for the ottawa senators if it's a Sens game you're a broadcaster for for both those teams so you have to right. treat both with, you know, the respect that they deserve. And you can't be missing out on stories for another team because they're not the Canadian team, right? So, right. Um, so yeah, you have to look into stuff like that. Uh, I don't know how I got to there, but to circle back a little <laughs> bit, I've covered some other things. I, you know, I've covered the, the general manager meetings uh, and the board of governors meetings twice. I have I did a draft, the draft in Chicago a couple of years ago when uh, Christian Veselinan was picked um i did do a a world juniors the world juniors in montreal a couple of years ago when jack Rosolvic's american team won it um that's obviously a tsn property so it's not uh, uh it's a little more news oriented than it is broadcast oriented but uh right. but you know what i'll i'll take on uh anything i can i haven't done an all-star game i was supposed to do an all-star game a couple of years ago and a conflict came up and i haven't been back to one of those so yeah i want to strike those things off the list. Outside of hockey, I covered a Super Bowl. I covered the Super Bowl where Brady and the New England Patriots came storming back. I've hosted a a TFC Columbus crew game, which was absolutely a ton of fun. Um, It's a great industry, and I love all sports. I'm interested in all sports. um, And, uh, you know, as long as you're given the proper heads up as you're doing something else, like you can immerse yourself in it and learn something you need to about it. it. It's, you know, working for sports, and it has just, been, you know, an opportunity to do so many things that I would have, you know, been probably paying money to do had I been doing something else. (laughs) Um, And that would have been my dream. You know, I would have been, you know, shaping my vacations around going and doing these things. So to be able to do it as a job, it's just, it's just absolutely phenomenal.
1: That's that's really cool. So uh, you mentioned uh, like we talk about the Sportsnet relationship like we both kind of uh, touched on it and, and and TSN, you know, which uh, who broadcasts what. So just with the NHL, uh, for those who don't know, Sportsnet kind of owns hockey. <laughs> and TSN has yeah. little, TSN has a little piece of the pie in four Canadian markets. Basically, everything, uh, Winnipeg and everything east is my understanding. Yeah. And then Winnipeg, the,
2: Ottawa, Toronto, part, parts of Toronto and Montreal.
1: Yeah, yeah. and uh, and I guess a bit of Buffalo. I think too. I think there's some games. Or I was reading something about uh, they get some Buffalo games that they whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, but so I'm curious. Being in Winnipeg, being sort of a TSN town per se, and less games on Sportsnet. How is what's your relationship like, maybe compared to other media? Because it's you know we have TSN radio, we have 60, 65 games or something like that are on TSN, and then the the rest would be on uh, CBC Hockey Night in Canada or or Sportsnet. So is that different? Uh, like for you, does your role kind of take on a, a different thing when you're not? Maybe behind the camera for everything, uh, but still probably being at, I'm I'm guessing, every game still uh, in Winnipeg. Uh, What does that look like for the the Sportsnet relationship? And and before I say that, uh, or (laughs) that thought, I will say the Sportsnet broadcast, I know some people will be – Not like this, and some people will love this. But I've it's actually grown in me. I like the Sportsnet broadcast better than the TSN, and that wasn't always the case. I'm not saying it right now because it's you, but I feel like when I watch Sportsnet, I feel like I'm watching literally part of a bigger thing. I feel like I'm watching the NHL broadcast or something from a big like maybe you know. And some people won't like this comparison. Watching the NFL compared to watching the CFL, right? It 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 feels like TSN is more uh, grassroots homey, and sportsnet it feels like the overarching professional thing it's just a, a very different feel and it's actually grown to me i i started to enjoy it a lot more just the visuals but anyhow the relationship the sportsnet in winnipeg uh, and uh and and your role in all of that i'm curious how that plays out well it's it's
2: interesting what you were saying about the feels that
1: you get from the two different
2: broadcasts and and It will be like that by design because we're, we're, again, to touch on this, we're the national broadcaster, right? So it has to have that feeling. It has to have uh, a feeling that, you know, if you're picking up this game and you're watching it and you're in St. John's, Newfoundland, or if you're in Burnaby, that, you know, you can pick up on this and feel like this broadcast is directed towards you if we're doing this. Now, you you talked about the TSN broadcast being – being homey well that that's by design it's because their audience is you know the winnipeg jets fans audience right, right. so it, it affords different opportunities for them right that they're they're able to kind of dig in deep and and know that their audience is a very highly educated audience and very, very much knows all these kind of things and and i can tell you this you know like having gone around the league um, you know, Dennis is as respected in hockey as it gets, you know what I mean? And and pretty much any team across the league to have him as their local broadcaster, they would be beyond lucky to to have him. And Kevin Sawyer is doing a, an absolutely phenomenal job. I have a ton of respect for those two. And Sarah Orleski as well. Um, does phenomenal work and is, is highly adored in this market as she should be because she does an absolutely phenomenal job. Um, conversely, you know the people that I work with when they're coming into town, guys like Dave Randorf, who I get to work with, Rick Ball, a lot of the analysts, you know, uh, Greg Millen. Um, so so many of these guys that I work with are just you know absolutely phenomenal broadcasters. I just think you know across the spectrum you know, whether it's, it's the TSN people who are working in this town or in other towns, um, and, and the people that I get to work with at Sportsnet, uh, th- there's a lot of quality broadcasters um, in, in this country. And, and I just think that, you know, overall, as a Jets fan, uh, you know, and you have, you have you did touch on it, you know, there will be times, and I've heard it before, that there will be people who say they really like our broadcast, and there will be people who I think, you know, don't like hearing our broadcast and kind of curse at, curse at us when <laughs> when we're covering the game as opposed to TSN. But I would just say personally, from what I know of the people that I work with and from what I know of the, the TSN crews who, who uh, do the games here, you know, I think Jet fans are very, very lucky with all the broadcasters that they get in here uh, to to uh, to work on their shows. Because, I mean, I, hey, I think back, you know, we were talking Bob Cole. I think back to that game last season. When the Jets, um, when the Jets kind of took it to Pittsburgh in that one game, and, and uh, Blake Wheeler scores that goal, and, and Bob Cole's call is a, "I don't believe it" call. You know, yeah. I, I know that that is a call that Blake Wheeler and that the Jets organization absolutely cherishes, right? right. But uh, on the other hand, you know, when you hear Dennis doing his calls, there's a bunch of his calls that you know these are these are the the, uh, uh, the the broadcasts that that make these great moments that these players do come alive, and I think that the Jets players have been very lucky to have the people putting voice to their actions that they've had.
1: Yeah, I think uh, what, just to kind of make mention of your point there, where you said that some people may curse, you know, the the sportsnet or maybe don't enjoy as much. I I find that for the what I hear the most is the inconvenience part of it, right? Where people are expecting just to watch it on TSN, they're not used to it. So I think it'd be much different if if the if it was like a 50 50 split where people are kind of used to uh, swapping back and forth. But it's always like the sports. And it's like, oh, so where's the you know where's the Jets game? So I've, in my experience, that's usually the, the first complaint. I mean, there's people that you know have complaints about other elements of, of the broadcast, but the, usually it's the inconvenience thing, which is um maybe maybe an obvious one, especially if people don't subscribe, right? That might be yeah. a little bit a little bit different for them Um, you know
2: you know I think I think it's more than that like I've got I've got you know a lot of my friends are really hardcore Jets fans and and are contacting me all the time and I and I know that a lot of times when when I'll be doing a game uh, I'll have a buddy who will call me up and be like it feels like you're talking about the other team as much as you are the Jets and and I'll say that's correct we are And, and again you know being a national broadcast it's our job to give the same amount of credence to both sides um, when you're calling that game. Now, the local broadcast by TSN, that's not their job. They're the home broadcast, so their job is to focus in on the home team. Right. So what will happen is if you're watching the Jets all the time, and a lot of people aren't, at, you know, a lot of people don't really – pay that much attention to the the broadcast industry right so they don't know the difference all they know is that when they're usually watching the game they're hearing all this about the Jets and now all of a sudden they're hearing all these stories about the Arizona Coyotes why am I (laughs) hearing about these guys I tuned in for my Jets game right so it's uh, I get it and uh and I you know that, that hey all it shows is that people are passionate and that they can't get enough of this kind of stuff, um, and and so I hey, there's there's worse problems in the world
1: as broadcasters than having fans that are too passionate. Right, <laughs> that's that's good. I like that. Um, now, kind of uh, we'll we'll wrap up this kind of topic. But I'm curious, uh, do you ever see a time where Sportsnet? would have a radio station uh, in Winnipeg, or that the broadcast rights would maybe ever move over to Sportsnet. I know the Jets are owned by the same, you know, owner and group that owns Bell Media, that owns TSN. So it seems like the Jets are probably long-term tied into TSN, regardless of what happens with Sportsnet contracts elsewhere. But uh, do you ever see uh, maybe a Sportsnet radio uh, uh, competitive, you know, competition in, in the city? The, these are all uh this is a question that's way above my pay <laughs> <So, laughs> I know i just i don't so, I, I it's interesting yeah. to me I don't know sorry maybe I'll, everyone, I'll, everyone I'll else just, is like, I'll do my best to give you I'll do my best to give you an answer here okay, so, okay i
2: mean i mean uh before before um uh this year, i believe or or maybe two years ago i'm not sure what it is, but v- Vancouver um there was no sports radio station there. they got the rights. To the Vancouver Canucks, launched a radio station there, and now are really heavily investing in that market. Right. So, usually, I would I would say that it would take getting the Jets right before something like that would ever happen. Right. Um, and even a, as as that, even after saying that, you know, the relationships between a team and a broadcaster can get fairly entrenched after a time, and and the relationship between Um, the the Winnipeg Jets and TSN is going to stretch over a decade by the time it's possible to go anywhere else. So um, I don't, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what is going to happen in the future. It's not up to me to be making these decisions um, and it's not really in my place to speak about it. So I would say nothing is ever out of the question, um, but it's not something that is, you know, that from my
1: understanding would be anywhere on the horizon. Well, if Sportsnet, uh, if any of the big heads up there feel like sponsoring some uh, local Jets themed podcasts, (laughs) then uh, send some money our way and some mics. We'll use some mics, that's for sure. Okay, you know what, let's let's move on to some actual Jets stuff. Uh, I know that you didn't travel to Finland. I'm curious, were you able to catch uh, all all of the Finland series? Oh yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I I had to go do a uh I had to go do a hometown hockey between the the Senators and and Vegas um that kept me from from uh being able to go to that series but yeah, I checked it out. Yeah.
1: Oh, so you got to go to Vegas, you poor thing. <laughs> yeah. That's good for yeah. you, that's cool. But that's so nice. so what did you think of the, the Jets, how they played their uh results were on par with what you thought? Um what do you think of maybe the Hellebuck playing uh back to back games? Uh Lainey, obviously uh still not really getting too many five on five points, but you know maybe yeah, you know, doing doing some nice things for the hometown crowd. What was your overall take of uh, of it? I mean the the the, place, the place looked beautiful for sure. Yeah,
2: I've I've been in Hartwell Arena before. I I went to cover Line A uh, the year he was drafted by the Jets, um, and they had some pre-World Cup games a couple years ago. So I went, I've already been through the, you know, the Finnish media experience and how they regard Line A, and that's, you know, it was amazing. I couldn't believe it. At that time, you know, not just the, the journalists that I spoke to, but, you know, fans on the streets that I talked to back in those days would tell me, that line a was the biggest thing in finland and and you know i really didn't see anything that argued that point right but uh you know i, I do some writings for sportsnet.ca and one of the things i touched on this time was um for for a piece that should be up right away uh was you know it, it's very interesting to see um the interactions you know we, we we heard the question the the who's who's the daddy question and <laughs> and uh, all the talk about line a being like the ketchup bottle right you know the ketchup doesn't start flowing right away but once it does look out right and uh you know they've got a real fun way of of covering these kind of things and and it's one of the reasons why i believe patrick line is the kind of interview that we've always seen from him he he likes to have a little bit of fun he likes to make bold humorous claims you know the you know, the I'll score that goal 99 times out of 100, and on the 100th time, my stick will break, right? Like these are great, great clips that he gives, you know, as a a young man. And I would say one of the reasons is is because, you know, the media there like to have a little bit of fun, and they have that kind of relationship, so he's used to doing that. And I would also say some of my best buddies in this industry are some of the Finnish journalists who cover – the games here and when they're in town you know you'll have probably heard this before but when the Finnish journalists come to town line usually seems to uh usually seems to flourish and so i'm not yeah. saying one leads to the other but it's getting harder and harder to ignore the fact that that keeps happening right and um you know he's not scoring five on five there's a lot of guys on this team who aren't scoring five on five you t- you touched on hellebuck playing back-to-back like we know he likes to play back-to-back so it I was not surprised to see that happening although maybe if there was a time that you weren't going to do that it would be a time when you know your players aren't struggling with jet lag uh you never know how guys respond to that I went over there to Finland and I was there for nine days and I'm telling you in all honesty I maybe slept 12 hours I, I had a real hard time with that uh you know maybe hellebuck didn't so maybe it made the most sense to to go with that but i think overall watching this team i think i like a lot of you know the the people watching this team are waiting to see them take that kind of step forward that we know they have in them there was that one period i believe i believe it was the first period in the second game where the Jets were just all over them. And I've always said this, the easiest way to see if the Jets are on their game is that the other teams break out of their own zone is just flipping the puck to center ice because that's all they have. They're just being outworked. Um, And the Jets are just have them so sewn into their zone that the only way to get the puck out of the zone is to go up and over And in doing so, you're you're giving away possession, right? That's the Winnipeg Jets when they're playing Winnipeg Jets hockey. So I was kind of – I'm waiting for that moment where they kind of bust through and start doing that uh, at a consistent level. Uh, We haven't seen that yet this year. I thought that's what was going to happen, and then the rest of the game, they they really kind of lost that and end up losing that game. The one thing that I think is – you know, interesting about this Jets team, and I was writing about it today, I believe if you look at the standings where they sit right now, um, they've played six of their 14 games against the four worst teams in the league. And they've only played five games so far against teams that are above the playoff line, and they're 1-3-1 and one against those teams. And the one win comes against the Vancouver Canucks when they did not have Elias Petterson. So yeah. the the the... the 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 Jets have had a pretty easy schedule to start the season. They definitely haven't gone through what, you know, a team like uh, the Edmonton Oilers have. Um, And in the cases of playing those playoff type teams, they haven't been able to raise their game. Uh, It's, you know, I'm sure they'd be the first to tell you they're going to need to start raising their game uh, so that they're ready for those teams when they start playing those games
1: yeah i couldn't agree more that's that's what i think a lot of people are noticing it's like yeah we're we're winning right and people are excited you get two points uh the record doesn't look too bad but at some point you want to make sure that you are playing good hockey right because you're going to end up playing some better teams and if they play their good hockey and you don't uh you're not going to stand a chance so i'm definitely looking forward to seeing them uh bring bring their best version of themselves because i don't i don't think we've seen it yet so we've seen some some nice some nice power play obviously that's a been been great and the backup goaltending has been good so there, there's obviously been some nice flashes and some good stuff but uh yeah it would be nice to see them kind of get it going uh i was gonna well people... there's, there's oh, a sorry. lot of
2: teams around the league. there's a lot of teams around the league that would kill to have the problems with the winnipeg Jets <laughs> like, <no.
1: laughs> that's true yeah and, and you know I, like where i've changed my thinking too is i think um when you know i shouldn't i don't want to be presumptuous but when you for lack of a better term, know that you're a playoff team, you don't necessarily have to have it all sorted out right away, right? You don't have to have it sorted out by uh, American Thanksgiving. If you know that you're going to be in that run, because if you get in like that's, you want to be peaking at that time if you get in anything can happen i mean la showed us that as an eight seed um uh, nashville showed us uh you know how far you can go as an eight seed so not saying the Jets should shoot for that obviously i think their target should be much higher and they're definitely capable of achieving that but um if you get into the dance then uh, you, you have a chance but uh you got to be you know figure out what your best hockey looks like before you get there so
2: Well, and and to the point you're making, you know, maybe being like that is not such a bad thing. I think we've seen enough examples from teams like, you know, let's say the LA Kings, you know, a couple versions of the Chicago Blackhawks, even Washington last year, Pittsburgh, when they won their first of their back-to-back Cups, you know, those are seasons in which those teams did not, you know, bust the door down to get to the playoffs. they, They, in a lot of cases, looked like they... You know, uh, uh, Pittsburgh, they they were out of the playoffs near Christmas time and then they, you know, just took off and and never really lost after that. And so, you know, an 82-game season is a grind. So if you end up getting through a good chunk of that season, not playing your best hockey, not being on top of your game, not, you know, skating as hard as you possibly can, it's not a bad thing to be rested if you're playing the right kind of hockey, as you just said at the right time
0: yeah for sure
1: and and I th- the the one my one concern is though you know sometimes uh, you know moving up a seat or down a seat is, it's right on the margins of like a 1.2.3 point swing and then you know if you end up being a five seat instead of a four seat and you're playing you know on the road to start uh, and less games at home uh, likely throughout the playoff, um that you know, that that part you start looking back, go like, there's that game in the second game in Finland where we could have, you know, maybe, you know, played the backup goal, maybe, you know, and you start doing all the, the what ifs. But uh, so you don't want you don't want to get to that point where you look back and, and think, you know, we should have, you know, should all over yourself, uh, should have done this, should have yeah. done that. But uh, at the same time, I I think they'll be fine. But uh, right now, it it's yeah. hasn't been that enjoyable to watch for the yeah. as, uh, from it's my it, perspective.
2: To the point you you just brought up about the what ifs over the season, you know I think we do that in the media, yeah. and I think fans do that. I don't think the players and coaches do that. So right. I I think for the most part they they realize that you know they get to where they get, um, and you know like you're gonna lose games and you're gonna lose you're gonna win games over that stretch. It's just all about how you're playing and and uh, you know their sole focus is playing the game to the identity that they want to achieve. And if they can do that at the right time, I don't think they're worried about, you know, the fact that they weren't at that identity back on October 27th and it cost them two points that ended up costing them, you know, a single home playoff date. I think uh, they all get it. They all understand how it goes. They all realize that there's not one definitive blueprint that gets you to uh, the Stanley Cup. It's just all about being you know hot at the right time and carrying that through
1: right well i'm gonna totally shift gears here i was gonna ask you just about the brendan Lemieux suspension everyone everyone obviously saw that he probably deserves something you think two games is is that fair
2: yeah yeah i think it's fair and yeah. uh i i think i think you know i mean with players like brendan like you have him in your lineup For a specific reason you know those players play with an edge and and i think we've seen it time and again uh, that you know if you're going to be a player who plays with that edge and plays to the edge sometimes you're going to go over it i think it starts standing out more and more in the league now because those kind of players are there's not as many of them anymore Um, we used to see it all the time we probably used to see it on a nightly basis because there were you know every team had one or two or three or four of those guys and they they were all playing like that and you know if you got four of them chances are one of them on one night is going to go over that edge right but yeah uh, so um, I mean I think that's you know it's it's uh, uh, incumbent upon Brendan now to to you know learn from this situation and and uh, and you know try and keep from doing it again, but th- that's that's the trick. When you're that player and you're always trying to play up to the line and you're trying to take the opposition off their game, um, that's that's going to happen here and there. I'm not excusing the behavior by any means. Headshots. Uh, 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 hey, I years and years and years ago, I remember arguing with my friends who all told me the game was too fast to get rid of it. But I've been preaching for far, you know, probably. 18 20 years that they should be taking headshots out of the game and and uh and i'm glad that they're doing that there's no place for it because of the damage that it does but i do understand that you know a guy like brendan again plays to plays to the edge sometimes you go over
1: yeah, for sure. Um actually talking about players like that and you said your your one of your highlight games was that uh Pittsburgh winnipeg one I think uh Tom Sestito was in that game and that's the game when he smashed Toby's face in, too, right? So Yeah. It's it's kind yeah. of to to your point sort of a full circle coming back to an earlier uh uh call back there. Um, Well, you know what? That's
2: what made that interview with Evgeny Malkin so interesting is because I asked him about it. And the question I believe that I posed to him was like, you're you're top five in scoring. You didn't need to fight him. Why did you? And his response was, you know, I, the hit that I hit him was, you know, you know, in kind of a little bit of Russian broken English, uh, you know, he said the hit was not very good. So he essentially had said that, you know, like he knows that he caught Wheeler with a cheap shot Um, And he wanted to give Wheeler his opportunity to get back at him for it. And so, I mean, I think that that's a, that's a dying code in the game, but I know that Wheeler appreciated that at the time. uh, And I know that, you know, probably Malkin probably felt better as as himself or about himself as a hockey player that he, you know, gave Wheeler (laughs) the opportunity to do that. And if I remember correctly, Wheeler dusted him up pretty good. Um, But yeah, that's, i mean it's you know we we know that fighting is leaving the game and we know that there's uh you know a lot of fans are are glad to see it go so these kind of things kind of stand out but um it is it is interesting to see when that code is still practiced especially with players
1: of that level right yeah oh i have i have some very strong opinions about it, which i won't share right now i think that's uh <laughs> It's so goofy to me, but whatever. Um, you mentioned uh, the Ottawa Senators at, at one point. I can't remember exactly what the context was, but I'm curious um, if you haven't seen it. Did you see the video of uh, the players from Ottawa? I have, yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. I won't ask you about it, but I just want to know if you saw it because uh, you might want to touch up on, on uh, sort of your knowledge of what's what's happening because uh, otherwise I was going to send you the video. So that's, that's it. Yeah, I know. I've,
2: <laughs> I've seen it, yeah. It's... it's uh... I mean, I've seen, you know,
1: the beauty about Twitter is, you know, the
2: opinions start falling in, you know, and I've seen some interesting ones and, you know, who hasn't complained about their boss, right? You know, and and so maybe it's not as big of a deal as people want to make it out to be, but, I mean, for an organization that is, uh, you know, um, you know, trying to to put it together this year and, you know, just came out of the whole Eric Carlson thing, I mean, you can't, Spinning it as being positive right like that's something that's going to go into that room that they're going to have to deal with now and it'll be a challenge for the coaches to do it and probably a challenge for the players to do it but who knows maybe it'll be one of those things where i mean again you know who hasn't who hasn't complained about their boss or maybe some of their coworkers, right and if you get caught in the act maybe it's one of those things that kind of forces things out uh, and maybe it'll be one of those things that uh you know, like Calgary the other night when they got blown out and they've they used that and turned it into into, you know, playing some really, really good hockey going forward. Maybe this is something that, you know, they can possibly take and use and bring that room together. You never know. Uh I don't know enough about what's going on inside that room to know whether that would be possible. But I guess that's that that's what you're trying to do now if you're the coaches and the players is take that situation and maybe get some stuff out on the
1: table and see if you can't uh use it for positive going forward. Well, that's definitely a positive take on it. But I will say this: if <laughs> if Sportsnet po- uh, sponsors the podcast, I will never complain about Sportsnet. <laughs> so,
2: no, hey, hey, hey. Uh, it's, you can't you can't buy your way out of complaints. Right? Yeah, just, complaints make us better, right? If hey, you're, if you're pointing out faults, then it's our it gives us an opportunity to address them.
1: How's that for a positive spin? I have a price. I just want everyone to know <laughs> I can be bought. <laughs> Anyhow, you know what? We'll land it there. Thank you, Sean, so much for taking the time. Uh, that was definitely fun. I think we got to all the things I was going to ask you about in one way or another. I know it was a bit rambling, but uh, I hope you enjoyed it, and I'm sure our listeners will enjoy uh, seeing the, the man behind the mic for sure. So.
2: Yeah. Hey, you know what? I appreciate you calling me. Call me anytime.
1: All right. Take care. Thanks again. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye.